Whoops. You know what? You might hear me better if I took the sheath off my uh, microphone. How's that? That sounded really weird when you took it off. It was like having a condom on it. Yeah. That's what we're it having like. unprotected podcasting right now. That's it's now it's like I'm podcasting with everyone you've ever podcasted with. <laughs> I've podcasted with some filthy, disgusting whores. Let me. You tell have. You. I've listened to most of them. <laughs> Let's see if we could wake up the little baby. I'm gonna have so many of my friends texting me and emailing me and everything else later, going, "You called me a dirty whore." <laughs> the word is whore. Whore. Hello. Wake your lazy ass up out of bed. Are you? <laughs> ready or something? Are we ready or something? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a minute. I'll be in there in a minute. I gotta do something. All right. We'll we'll be waiting for you. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Such a sweet little girl. He's got to go drain it. Drain a two liter. That's what he's got to go drain. <laughs> Back to the bin. Let's do this. <coughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am Paul Spitaro, and all I right, enjoy- all right, start over. Take that belch out. That was disgusting. I'm sorry. That belch is staining. Like it's not like a tiger entered the room just as we were getting started. Right. I'm I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am joined by talking Tony belching Bill Robinson, <laughs> Mr. Talking Tony, <laughs> and Scott H. Gardner. Hello. Oh, anyway, <laughs> thank you. Good night. I, I, I had a I lot never, of trouble with with picking a um, uh, an indie because I didn't want to dig through boxes, so I just dig dug through the stack of stuff that's sitting here loose that I haven't filed away yet, and it basically came down to a choice between another Classics Illustrated, one of those um, Dell Disney books that we picked up at, at a Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Comic Con, or this. So I, I chose this. Well, I was. Um... I was hoping you were going to bring Captain Canuck, and I'd have Captain America, and Paul could bring, like, Captain Marvel. You know what's funny is I almost did that. We, we need to, all right, so next time we get together, we need to have a Captain show. We need to, we'll, we'll make it all Captains, and I'll, I can bring Captain Canuck if you really want me to. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw out to the listeners also, uh, a while ago, Scott and I were talking about possibly us lifting a, uh, a bit from uh, Comics Monthly Monday until Comics Monthly Monday comes off hiatus. Uh, right now, they haven't been producing episodes. So until they start to produce some, I was thinking we might do their top five lists. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm lazy. So I really don't want to come up with things for us to come up with lists of. So I'm putting, putting the call out to the, to the listeners. If you want to send us in suggestions for things for us to do top five lists of, we'll consider them and possibly do them. And I, I do. Uh, I did top have- five people who could play MODOK. <laughs> Can I write Louis Anderson's name down five times? Five times, yes. <laughs> well, you got Modam, which uh, it'll be a joke from my book. That'll be uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Ooh. Well, who's who's the one from uh, from the Drew Carey show? Uh, the one who played Mimi. Drew yeah. Or Drew Carey. Yeah. Drew old, Carey. Old, old, old Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah. Not the new svelte thin Drew Carey. 
who just looks scary. I liked him when he was fat and lovable. Yeah, doesn't he? You know, it's funny you say that because the last time I watched Price is Right with, well, actually, let me put it this way. The last time I walked into the room and my wife was watching The Price is Right, I was like, damn, he looks creepy now. Yeah, he does. Okay, it's so it's not just me. It is not just you. Okay. I, you I thought. So what's he skinny now? Yeah. Yeah, but he's like, go, he's like creepy skinny. Yeah. Go pull up a picture. Yeah. Be prepared to, to be startled. You'll like the one I just put in the uh, chat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, God, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> I like that one. I will not say what it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I did have something I wanted to mention just real quick. Um, I know probably a lot of people anticipate that the show's kind of over when uh, when my voiceover comes in at the end saying, thank you so much for listening to our show and all that, and don't really listen through all the stuff at the end. So I just want to mention uh, right quick here at the beginning of the show that we do have a Facebook group now. Uh, if you are if you're a regular listener to Back to the Bins, if you're a casual listener to Back to the Bins, if you just you know tune in occasionally when uh, when you see the picture and something appeals or whatever the case may be, um, whatever your level of interest to the show, you should really consider joining the Facebook group. Uh, we got a great group of guys over there and gals over there, and it's a hell of a lot of fun and. I want to blow our numbers out of the water. I really want to see that uh, that group expand and, and really blow up and have a lot more participation than it already does. I mean, it has a lot of participation. We're having so much fun just posting covers and articles and things about old comics. But uh, I really want to see it, it expand and grow. And uh, more than anything, you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, uh, we've created now several offshoots Facebook groups related to the True True Freaks Network. And there's one of them that just cracks me up. We have, Michael Bailey and I have a group for Tales of the Justice Society of America. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't get another request for somebody to join that group. Which, don't get me wrong, is totally awesome. When was the last time we had an episode out for that show? It's got to be like April or something. Something so like that, yeah. I really want to see, like, I, I would love to have the same thing happen with bins where every day, there's not a day that goes by that we don't have, you know, two or three new people joining the group. I want to see that that membership expand, you know. I mean, this is an active show. It's an active Facebook group. We have active listeners who are very passionate and really love the show. So I'm just putting out that call. If you have not yet joined the Facebook group, join and, and participate. We really want to, uh, we just want to have more participation from the listeners, you know. Post pictures of your favorite comics or, you know, comment on the ones that are posted, whatever the case may be. I just want to see more group participation from the listeners. End of story. Well, just to add to that, if you if you are shutting it off as soon as Scott's voice comes on, you're missing the little Easter egg that I go through the trouble <laughs> putting after that on every episode. This is very true. Oh, I don't know. I think there was one or two recently that I, there was no Easter egg. Well, then you listened to find that out, and that was the Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also... <laughs> Shut up. Go on to iTunes. Give us reviews. Come on. More of them. More of them. More of them. Oh, do we have any re- new reviews? I haven't checked in the last week or so, but we hadn't as of that point. Hmm. The last time I read a bunch of them. Hmm. So, you know, as of then, that was the last ones we had. That was then. This is, this now. is now. And and we're book- the monkeys. Hey. Sorry. Bookless Bill, do you have a book? Oh, well, do we want to do an email real quick? Oh, we do have one email. You want do we to have read Scott it? read it? So? Well, I figure we have Scott read it because then we can go through the whole long, drawn-out thing to where he has to log into it. 
I was just going to say, uh, Scott can read it, but you're going to have to walk me through the process of getting back into it again. Because Scott can't remember from episode to episode how the hell to get into our email these days. Because you so made a copy. So I'm, is what do you mean? <laughs> so I'm bookless Bill, but yet I can log into the email with no problem. Here you go, and... Scott. Ready? Bingo. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right, this one is from our buddy Russell Bragg, and the the uh, subject here is Horror Month. He says, hi, guys. He says, wow, you guys had vamp- vampires, he says. Vampires, werewolves, and frankincense monsters. You had it all. Throughout the month, I only had one comic. Scott Superman number 301 with Superman and Solomon Grundy. If memory serves, I believe there was an Earth-1 Solomon Grundy showed up in Superman number 319. I was just going to say, and I just started to say this, and I see what the next line is. I was going to say, is that the one with the Garcia Lopez cover where Grundy's like pulling on Superman's cape? But the very next line in the email is, Grundy desperately wanted Superman's cape. So, okay, yes, that must be the issue. I have that one. Uh, I have not yet read it. It says, I don't remember if Earth-1 Grundy and Earth-2 Grundy ever met, however. My wife and I have started watching that uh, Universal Classic Monsters, the complete 30 film collection uh, I might have mentioned before. Hmm. Hmm. Tell me more about this. I would like to uh, I would like to know about this. That sounds really cool. Uh, he says we've only gotten through Frankenstein. So far. isn't that like the first one? What's earlier than Frankenstein in the in the Universal Monsters? Dracula is Dracula. Dracula is 1931. Right. Trying to remember when Frankenstein is. Hmm. Uh, they they got to be close in time. If yeah. It's, it's either Dracula Frankenstein or Frankenstein Dracula. But either yeah. way, Russell and his wife haven't gotten very far. <laughs> okay. He says, uh, it's been a lot of fun. He says, just want to let you know, or just wanted you to know that I thoroughly enjoyed Horror Month. I don't know what you planned, uh, what you have planned for your next month series, but I look forward to it. All the best. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Host of the uh russell that is not west virginia host of the dc comics presents show thank you so much russell i i don't know what our next theme month one is either but you know what i know we've been concerned before about uh i don't know what you want to call it being off format having too many theme months whatever but i dig the hell out of our theme months every time we do one i'm ready for the next one so whenever you guys are ready for a new one I'm ready for a new one because I did. I was thinking, how about Agitate a Political Party Month? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> you took my, you took my, you took my pun. I was going to throw something punny in there, and you just jumped right in. What, Good job. What are some of the? I know we've thrown other ideas around that we haven't gotten to yet. What are some of the other ideas we've had for themed months? I know we've had some. It was Shitty Comics Month. Oh, that's every month, isn't it? There was bore, Boring Episode Month. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that. There was Dr. Bill Needs a Bath Month. Hey. <laughs> Audiobook Month. Audiobook Month. I don't know. I know we've had some other really cool ideas. I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. But, yeah, I, I, I love the theme months. I, I really I, do. So. I enjoy the theme months. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I also enjoy just the individual theme episodes. Yeah. And, and what I was thinking is I'd like to do a few more of those. And I want to sprinkle them in because I don't want to totally lose the format episodes either. Right. You know, would it be too crazy if we did a one-off, not a month maybe theme, but it, or maybe we could do a, a month. Uh, of course, it would require some reading or maybe some of you have read uh, like actual comic characters in novels if we covered that. Like, because I've got a couple Marvel 
and DC books that are actually, you know, like adaptations of certain stories. Well, I'll, I'll read like one of the little big books. <laughs> I have a ton of the Marvel. I, I have a few of the DC ones too, but I have a ton of the Marvel prose books. I don't know that right, I've right. actually ever read any of them, but I've got a bunch of them. The yeah, one that, uh, if, if we if we could find time to do that, the one that I'd really like to do is there was a um, a Captain uh, America book. I forget who the hell wrote it. Where Cap was like a cyborg. He was very much like six million dollar man. He he was a cyborg and he had uh, metal uh, bones like Wolverine. And I've only ever heard about it. Like I say, I own it and I've never read it. But I'm very intrigued by this. It sounds really cool. It sounds well, a lot like like Steel's origin from DC is what it sounds like. I, I well, honestly ex- have never read a superhero adapted to a prose novel that I could say I really enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not something that really fills me with enthusiasm. But if you know somebody has a recommendation where they could say this is a really good one, Death and Return of Superman's a damn good book, dude. Have you never read that? No, I never read the prose version by Roger Stern. Oh, it's a it's a hell of a good book. Does it have a lot more than the comic? I mean, or yeah. is it just the same as just reading the comic. No, it's it. it you know, you get in, you get in his head a little bit more, I think, in that one. But no, I, re- I mean, I mean, Roger Stern's just a hell of a writer, anyway. But I mean, it's a real. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a really good book. Um, I would suggest either one of Elliot S. Megan's Superman books, especially the second one. That is one of my favorite books. You know, regardless of it being about superheroes or not, that's just one of my favorite books. Period. Um, Superman Miracle Monday, it was called. Um, I'm trying to think of what other ones. I mean, I haven't read a whole lot of them, but well, while you're thinking of that, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, from when Michael Bailey and and Jeffrey Taylor covered uh, the death of Superman on From Crisis to Crisis, I believe they mentioned the prose book for that, and right. that in the audio production, wasn't it the uh, the guy, the actor that played? Um, Porkins and yes. Eckhart. He played yep. Lex, Luthor, Lex Luthor, if I remember, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Luthor. Yep, he did. No, not um, Otis. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember Luthor, they had William sound... Luthor, that's his name. Right, right. They had sound clips in there of him, and he sounds awesome. He just... Well, he's an actor, and he's he's really acting his ass off, even though it's... You know, he did. Fun. He did really well, because the, the cool thing about it was is that he's actually... The character at that time was uh, Lex Luthor II, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, I'm trying to remember if that was actually known at the time when that story started that he was Luthor. I can't remember. But he was posing as the son of Lex Luthor. But what right, it was, who it came was from Luthor Australia. Himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the story starts off and Luthor, you know, in the audio drama has an, an Australian accent. And then there's a great scene where. Luthor goes to Superman's um, crypt. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking about. And he's talking yeah. to him. And it starts off with him speaking with an Australian accent. And then over the course of him, basically it's a gotcha speech. Like, I might not have killed you, but I'm sure as hell the one that's burying you. And as, through the course of that speech, his, his um, what do you call it? Not dialect, but accent, uh, accent and everything goes from like Outback Australia to Sinister Lex Luthor, you know, American Lex Luthor. And it's really great. It's very creepy, but it's really, really good. And when it gets to Lex Luthor doing the gotcha moment, you can tell it's William Hookins. Um, but before that point, I don't know, listening to it originally, I don't know that I realized it was him until that moment. That's how good he was in that. 
But yeah, I, I enjoyed that audio drama quite a bit. It was it was good stuff. I've got um, Star Trek: The Next Generation and the X Men. Yeah, which was kind of like a crossover from the comic because they had the original series and the X Men, and right. then they crossed over. I think in I think it's called Planet X is the um, is the paperback novel that I yeah. got. It's not a bad book, but that one made me crazy because. It was supposed to be where the story started in a comic and then it finished in the novel. And if you read those two back to back, that is totally not the case whatsoever. Yeah. It's a huge disconnect. You know, I think I've heard you discuss this before. That. Maybe it was yeah. on an older episode of Ben's before yeah. I was on. But yeah, I'm, ha I'm getting deja vu, except I wasn't in the conversation. I tell you, there, there was another one I really liked. I can't remember the exact name of it, but I know Michael Bailey will vouch for me on this. Um because it's been adapted to one of those graphic audio dramas. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was uh, a DC Universe story that had Superman, Jonah Hex, the Phantom Stranger, hmm. I want to say Etrigan, the demon. So, you know, just a weird mishmash of characters in it. And it was a time travel story. And that was damn good, too. And I only read it because it had uh, Jonah Hex in it, but it, you know, and Superman was in it. Um, but it turned out to be really, really good. I have still not yet listened to the audio drama, but Mike uh, has, and uh, and you know, it comes highly recommended by him as well. So I can't, I just can't remember. It's like Trail of Time or something like that. Oh, so it wasn't the good, the bad, the ugly, and the fugly. <laughs> it was good stuff, though. I enjoyed. It. it had a lot of the Western characters in it, as I recall. You know, not just Jonah himself, but it was good stuff. So there, you know, there's a there's a handful of them out there. I just have not read a whole lot of them. I I got about three quarters of the way through one that was it was an Avengers team up one. I want to say Avengers Thunderbolts, I think, and it had um, one of the Barons was the was the bad guy Baron. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, I don't think it was Zemo. I think it was Strucker. I think, but one of the Nazi, you know, the classic Nazi you know, Marvel Nazi Baron guys was the bad guy. I just can't remember, but I never did finish it. It was good. I just, I don't know, something shiny went by and I never did finish it, but I've got a shitload of them. I've got a bunch of Iron Man ones and I've even got a, an old Nick Fury one and I've got a ton of them. I just have never made the time to actually read the damn things. I don't know. We could solicit the listeners for opinions. What's, what's a good Marvel prose book that you would recommend or, or any comic prose book? No, no, no. We're pro Marvel. <laughs> we, we can do the top five comic prose books. You see, I wouldn't be qualified to give you that, but if mm. people want to suggest books, I think if somebody suggests a book, though, we're not going to do three books in one episode. We're going to do one book and just talk about it. Right. right. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, I think it would be a little too much to ask us. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. I don't remember. Uh, uh, which way did it go? <laughs> Anyways. Breathe, stupid, breathe. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I forgot to breathe. <laughs> and now I'm dead. That, that's one of my favorite with the cat sitting there. <laughs> the guy, the other one comes over. Breathe, stupid, breathe. Smack, smack, smack. <sighs> I've said that at work. And you know, I'm like, breathe, stupid, breathe. And then they just, they just look at me like I'm crazy. What is it you're quoting? I don't I don't recognize it. Looney Tunes. Oh, Looney okay. Tunes with the big cat. It was like the Abbott and Costello cats. Oh, okay. Versions yes. was, Big giant cat, and he's like, yeah, "Oh, he's he so stupid, he forgot to breathe." Yeah, <laughs> it was funnier in execution. The joke's not funny if you have to explain it. This is very true. It's the story of my marriage. 
So we talking oh. some, <laughs> we talking some comics this episode or what? Yes, my friend Bookless Bill has a book. <gasps> yes, miracles and you never cease. I'm also going to do a little quick catch up to uh, explain what when this book takes place. Um, I'm going to be discussing Captain America 413, but I want to talk about like the previous two issues prior that where Captain America had disguised himself as Crossbones and uh, Diamondback was disguised as Mother Knight and the Falcon was disguised as Jack-O-Lantern and they infiltrate the AIM-controlled island of Boca Caliente, which in Spanish means hot mouth. Just place that right there and make your own joke. So while they were on the island, um, Cap is trying to, uh, is you know, is trying to prove himself in a series of battles, and he gets to where he's fighting Batroc Zilipper, and Batroc recognizes his fighting style and reveals him, and basically, you know, says this isn't you know Crossbones, this is Captain America. Now also on this island there was a a uh, well, let's see, what would be a technical term? I don't know, a shit ton of um, villains. As well, so where we pick up this issue is right after the reveal and um, what, uh, you know, the whole melee that I- ensues. So, Captain America 413, was, and I have the hard copy right in my hand. Not anymore. <laughs> Rip. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I didn't look on Mike's Amazing World to get in- info because I was looking at a different source. I'm, I'm shamed. I'm sorry. What is the th- oh March 1993 cover price of 125 ah, to buy a comic book at 125 again. So our editor in chief is Tom DeFalco. Our cover artist is Rick Levins and Danny Bulandi. Bulanati. <laughs> I like my version better, but I, I only point that out because that's what I always said when I was a kid. I always called him Bul- Danny Bulandi, but it's actually Bulanati. I, I always have to stop and think about it before I say it because he was a uh, he was a frequent inker on late, uh, latter issues of uh, the Further Adventures of Indiana Jones when Chris and I were covering that ages ago. Ah, okay. All right. And on our cover, we have uh, the lovely Rosie O'Donnell as Modam. <laughs> In a desperate battle with, uh, well, not really desperate. She's just kind of holding a cap out on one of her mechanical arms, uh, looking to maybe drop him in, into the ocean. And then gripped in the other claw is uh, Susperia. Susperia? Superia? Susperia? Whatever. Which, I'm not really familiar with her character, so I'm not going to dwell on it. going to move on. It's not Mother Knight? Or no, Mother no. Knight looks like a... Looks like, a like a nun with a... Superior, right? Yeah, and a, a nun in a tight body outfit bad habit <laughs> and our writers of the issue are mark grunwald pencilers rick levens again as on the cover inkers is danny bulanati see what i did there i corrected myself joe Col- rosen <laughs> yeah colors joe Ro- Ro- rosen letters is joe Ro- Ro- rosen oh no colors is george russos russos rosen and the editor is mike rockowitz <clears throat> As Captain America battles a horde of supervillains, Diamondback challenges Snapdragon to a rematch. Superior asks Modam to join her in using AIM's money to fund her schemes, but Modam is loyal to AIM. A lot of acronyms in here. We'll explain later. Shang-Chi and Falcon discover neither are villains and team up to rescue Cap. Modam... Oh yeah, by the way, Shang-Chi was on the island too to... Uh, uh, break the ties that his uh, pre- his father um, 
Fu Manchu. Uh, Fu Manchu, yeah, had with Aim of his late father, Fu Manchu. So, back, where were we? Let's see. <laughs> I love ah. it when you synopsize a book. Really? <laughs> Monam captures Superior and Alexand- Al- Al- Alessandro Branix, still alive, stands up and reveals that he is a super adaptoid. I got no joke. I just went into pause. Super craptoid? Hmm. No, that's just gross. I'm not going to count on that. Falcon retrieves Cap from the melee. He and Shang-Chi hold off the villains while Cap searches for Diamondback. And I get... I'll save that. Overcome with a thirst for vengeance, Diamondback drowns Snapdragon in a water fountain. No, not a, like a water fountain. It's an actual fountain that's deep, you know, under the water. Cap spies Modam carrying Superior away from the island. Yeah, this is a bad... I, mistaking Superior for Diamondback, Cap attacks Modam... Modam... Modam, causing her to drop <laughs> Superior into the Atlantic Ocean. Realizing she's superior, Cap dies in after her. And that's pretty much how the issue ends. I love that you called her Modem instead of Modam. Though. That's actually... That makes me wonder if every time she talks, it starts out with going... <laughs> Did you write out that synopsis? Nope. No, I cheated because... <laughs> I'm working lights and I am just... Because it sounded a little disjointed, no offense intended, my friend, but it also sounded like you were reading it. Why, yes, I did. I don't understand how you get that combination. Because I'm that damn good. I just like that it was abbreviated because, wow, a lot of shit happens in this story. Yeah, that's... It's. I thought it was a quick book, but then I was like, you know, I'll just flip through it and and make comments. On, on uh, the last page. Yes. Did Cap's left foot actually sink into Modam's eye? I was wondering because <laughs> that's pretty painful looking. He puts both wow. his. Looks like he puts both his feet. He's got no her feet. eyes. He's got no foot at the end of his buccaneer boot. It's gone. Yeah. So did it sink into her eye? Well, while we're on the end of the book instead of the beginning. <laughs> What's the difference? When, oh, sorry. When did Cap turn into Spider-Man? With all the jokes, when he comes up from behind her, uh, you know, he's yeah. saying in his head, hope, hope she isn't mind-scanning for all frequencies or I'll never be able to sneak up on her. And then he says, I'm in luck, as he leaps from this little uh, air thing he had stole from the aim guards, this little, like, little one-person little jet glider thing. And he says, sorry about the rear-end collisions, Modam. I'm sure... Sh- I'm sure you prefer head-on. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, I like his tiny little shield. It's so cute. His what? His tiny little shield? Yeah, and in, in that same panel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah. And then um, then he says, you know, after he says, uh, or or is this how you always fly? Oh, it says, whoa, my weight throwing off your balance or is this how you always fly when someone is running his hands through your hair ew <laughs> which hair well ew. she's got like Louis Anderson style hair there maybe she, he's talking about other hair ew <laughs> <laughs> and then then he thinks okay he smashes his um, shield down into the uh, in, into the jewel on her head that fires the force bolts and um there's a shot where he says, whew, as a, a, a three-pronged claw clanks at him and misses. And he says, whew, almost grabbed me. Good thing she doesn't have eyes on top of her head. Like, what? what is with the puns? 
And then that's when he says, and speaking of eyes, when he flips over, does a swing on the claw and puts both his feet, sinking them, what, a good literally foot into her eyes? <laughs> Ow. Yeah. And where does she go from there? It doesn't It doesn't show anything. I No, because then uh, he says that Modem let go of, oh, that's not Diamondback, that's Superior. Great, now I've got all this trouble for a woman who'd love to see me dead. And then that's that's where that ends. And then they, they cut to back to where uh, Diamondback is coming out of the fountain and Snapdragon is floating face down in the... Uh, where is that face up? It's hard to tell. That's so, Because uh, she was going blub, blub, blub in the in the fountain. Now, is this this is this at the point... I, I remember there was some point that Diamondback, maybe it was later Captain America, that she was actually a life model decoy at some point. Who actually thought she was a human and she was in love with Cap? Yeah, I. I but I don't remember if that was in Brubaker. Totally unfamiliar with this era of Cap. Yeah, I am too. And and honestly, I'm thinking that's all right. Yeah. What you didn't like the opening page where Rhino is, says, "Get him! Stop his star-spangled butt." Rhino has his Salbucema spit. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. one piece of spit that attaches the top and lower uh, uh, teeth to each other. I mean, I'm I'm 53 years old now. I've never seen anybody do that in real life. I try. I try in the mirror. I like froth myself up. <laughs> you could make a big spit bubble. Yeah, you but you can't, you can't, you can't, can't the make the one string. string of spit. I can talk and shoot spit at people, which that is gross. But I can't get that that line of spit. Maybe it's you know it can only happen in comics. But the the opening shot has Cap literally on a stage in the middle of an arena and uh, like. It, it 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 looks like Custer's last stand because every villain in the world is getting ready to ride right down on him. There's something about those stories that I find unbelievable cheap, cheapens the characters. Now, now yeah, the, most for the most part, most of these villains are not A-listers. Most of them are C and D-listers, in fact. But when you have that many of them in one place and the superhero is able to fight out of things, then you start it diminishes them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then how do you respect that villain going one on? Like for example, one of the crowd you got the Rhino and the Wrecker in this crowd. If Captain America is able to defeat them along with all these other villains here, how do you respect them in a one on one battle in the future? Well, this is a list that I've got here from where I got my synopsis as well. We have Whirlwind, Oddball, Beetle. Whirlwind himself has battled the Avengers to a standstill. I just want mm-hmm. to point that out. Man Ape, who has also done that. <laughs> Absorbing Man. Who's also done that. Titania. Thor. Which one? Titania. Ti- Titania. Ti- yeah. Titiana, whatever. Spymaster. Blizzard. Claw. Blizzard's a badass. Yeah. I don't care Claw. what anybody says. Blizzard's a badass. Uh, we've got Claw. Constrictor. The Wrecker, which, you know, he, he's he got Uru powers. Right. Uh, Flying Tiger. Shockwave. Speed Demon. It says Moonstone is here, but I didn't see her. Machete. Not Danny Trejo. Iron Maiden. Not the band. <laughs> Iron Maiden, excellent. Bruce Dickinson would come on. I run for the hill. Oh, anyway, I'm trying to find Moonstone and I don't see her. I don't know. She could be at the bottom of of, of the pile or something. Stilt Man. Ooh, yeah, scare me right there. Blackbird. I don't know who who that is. Gypsy Moth. She's singing in the dead of night. <laughs> Very good. Oh, she's got broken sorry. wings. <laughs> she should learn to fly. Uh, Gypsy Moth, um, <laughs> Snap, 
Snapdragon, Manbull, who actually the Manbull uh, Cap does do a nice trick, and he has Manbull and Rhino kind of take each other out by doing the old, I'll stand here and let them both charge at me and jump up in the middle of the air and have them run in, into each other Three Stooges style. Uh, Tarantula, Firebrand, who's fought Iron Man. Um, a lot the of eel. these are Iron Man villains, I think. Yeah, Eel, right. Boomerang, Puff okay. Adder. Which... All right, I'm going to call bullshit right here. I see the Beetle. The Beetle is a badass. The Beetle. A lot of them are badasses. Yeah. And that's what I'm yeah. saying. But, but having them in a big crowd and having Cap be able to even come close to hold his own against a group this large is, is diminishing every one of them. And, and I'm calling yeah. bullshit on it. I, I you know, I got to side with you on this one. Because there, there's a, I mean, there's a number of, the, I mean, granted, like you say, there's a number of them that are shit, but there's enough heavy hitters here that, you know, the only way I'm thinking that they're playing this off, that Cap is, is able to do what he's doing is that it, it's kind of a cluster. he's the master strategist, and it's, well, yeah, no, that it's a big. That. It, it's, it's kind of a cluster. So, you know, you've got guys that are getting in each other's way and, and all that sort of thing, but all it takes is a couple of the heavy hitters to get in there and it's all over because I'm looking at a uh, page 18 and just on this one page you've got Titania, the Wrecker and the Rhino. They would kick Captain America's ass. I'm sorry. What you should you know? probably have is Cap gets in a couple of good shots and then he goes down the way Hercules did in the Masters of Evil story. Yep. <laughs> yep. He gets okay. all brain damage, but it gets but it gets a little I mean as much as the fight is kind of, you know, fun to see, but it gets a little crazy because Manape get gets him in a, uh, like a full body hold, and then they pile on, and then somehow he disappears through the floor, sneaks away. He sneaks away with what? Yeah, I just caught. Oh, yeah, that no. He sneaks away with a green cloak over his head. No, no, no. That's, what that's like out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, right? I was just going to say, is this a Looney Tunes cartoon? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. While they're all fighting and there's there's fists and feet flying and stars coming up and everything else and a big dust cloud, he just sneaks away. No, 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 no. I'm calling bullshit on that. Plus, the Falcon looks like the turkey on the bottom of page 19 right there. And I don't care if you are a super soldier. Look how he's carrying away Cap. He's not holding on to Cap. He's holding on to Cap's shield. Cap's arm is in the shield holding the straps. I don't care how super soldier you are. That's going to hurt like a bitch right there. He's going to be going, ow, 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 ow. Put me down. Put me down. Put me down. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Wouldn't that hurt? You would think so. Little teeny tiny life-filled feet. Aren't they cute? I I don't like the... Falcon's mask either. No, I, I don't just, like this version of the costume. It's yeah, kind of, it does look like a turkey. <laughs> he does. He looks like a big turkey right there. It's got wonderful like plumage. Gobble, gobble, gobble. <laughs> the turkey. <laughs> Beware my gobble power. He looks up and he drowns. <laughs> I know that's a myth that turkeys drown when they look up when it rains. <laughs> but yeah, the whole I'm going to throw God is a- my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> Oh my God! They're organized. <laughs> they fell to the ground like oh, the wet, wet bags of cement. <laughs> what a sight, ladies and gentlemen! What a sight! The copter seems to be circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object, uh, perhaps a sky 
diver plummeting to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. No parachutes yet. Happy skydivers. I can't tell just yet what they are, but... Oh, my God, they're talking! Oh, Johnny, can you get this? Oh, they're crashing to the earth right in front of my eyes! They just went to the windshield of a parked car! Everybody's running around pushing each other? Oh, my goodness! Oh, the humanity! are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. I, I don't know how much longer the, the crowd is running for their lives. I think I'm going to step inside. I can't stay out here and watch this any longer. No, I can't go in there. Children are searching for their mothers and, oh, not since the Hindenburg tragedy has there been anything like this. I don't know how much longer I can hold my position here, Johnny. The crowd... Les, are you there? Les isn't there. <clears throat> Thanks for that on-the-spot report, Les. You just tuned in. The Pinedale Shopping Mall has just been bombed with live turkey. Film at 11. <laughs> Anyways. You should, that, you should put that clip in here. <laughs> I already did. Okay. <laughs> you know why? Because you're the producer. Because I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> oh! I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. Ah, twofer. <laughs> just the kind of guy I am. But, uh... Well, just, just so I can list the rest of the, uh... That that were here. Puff Adder was here. <laughs> Sorry. Magic <Roger> Dragon? <laughs> and Rock Python. <laughs> so that was a list of villains. That's funny. That's what I call my... Oh, wait. Never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my porn name years ago. Rock Python. What is it? Is they it called me to... Puff Adder. <laughs> is... <laughs> I was the eel. <laughs> okay. It, on page Wait, 16. I, I was stilt man. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Page 16, the middle panel. What's no, no, up no, with that, I, What's up with I that anatomy? We should, we should keep going with supervillain yeah. porn names. The wrecker. <laughs> the wrecker. <laughs> Constrictor. Damn near killed it. <laughs> man ape. <laughs> but uh, back to page 16. What the hell is that? Oddball. That's a spinal injury. That's what that is. Page 16. Oddball. That's Hitler's porn name. <laughs> Which one's a spinal injury? Uh, 16. Uh, everything in the middle of page 16 is a spinal injury right there. Something's oh, not right. Where the turn that Diamondback's doing to yeah. hit Snapdragon? I mean, is she, is she... Does she have Reed Richards' powers? What the hell is she doing? <laughs> She does look like she's made out of Laffy Taffy right there. And she's, she's got a waist that's about 20 inches around and a butt that's around 60. <laughs> 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 yeah, her ass is bigger than her entire torso. That's not quite right. Then on the next page you have... And bigger than her quite ample bosom. And then after she snaps the other woman's spine with that snap thing that she's doing there, the very next thing she says to her is, She oak? What the hell? 
what the hell is that? What does that mean? I think that's your name. Oh. No Shioke. <laughs> Shioke? Well, speaking of uh, measurements, on the next page you have Modam, whose measurements are probably what? Seven feet, seven feet, seven feet. Right. <laughs> now, on that first shot, does Modam have little bosoms there? Oh, I think so. I don't see that. What page All right, so it's there? seven feet, seven foot six, seven feet. She looks like she's wearing a little Modoc training bra. Page <laughs> 17, first panel. I don't know. Why did That's... I turn to that? And she's also she's also got some some pubescent acne going. Uh, she's got a herpes, which is what she's got. That's nasty. She was with Char- Charlie Sheen. She's got the hiv. Because so. <laughs> Charlie Sheen will have sex with anything. She, she looks a little like Otto Octavius there. <laughs> she looks... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> she looks a lot like uh, Louis Anderson is what she looks like. And just so... Uh, um, Modam stands for mental organism. Mental, mental organism. What? <laughs> Please <Sorry> begin. <laughs> mental organism designed for aggressive maneuvers. Maneuver. Maneuvers. Oh, that's Maneuver. mode fam. They dropped a lot. And now I hate when they do that. The four is silent. <laughs> <laughs> For aggressive maneuvers? Yeah. So I guess Ooh, she's like... They're she's like, stretching on that one. I guess she's like really easy on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why she had sex with Charlie Sheen. Wow. The scary thing is I think I've known a couple of modems in my life. You know what I mean? You mean in aggressive maneuvers or in size? <laughs> a little of both. A little from column A, a little from column B, you know? Yeah. Winning. Now, in fairness, because I'm not going to say this too many times as we discuss the art in this book, page uh, 18, first panel, that, that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm kind of liking that. But I'm not going to say that a whole lot about this book. Oh, I see why you say that. <laughs> yeah. Most of the art in this is really not... Yeah, there was a couple ones that I thought, like, if you go to uh, page 20, I like the shot with uh, Shang-Chi and Cap, sh- that, you know, with their shaking hands. That's just a nice shot. If you isolate just the two, right. I agree with you. Yeah, it's a little busy, and I, yeah, I really hate the Falcon's look at this time. I don't know what they were thinking with that outfit he's got. But yeah, if you isolate just the two of them out of that panel, I, I'll agree with you. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. I was looking ahead to page, um, page, was it, 24. That uh, that shot right there of what the hell is that character's name? Is that no, it's not Iron Maiden? I want to say I think Death that's the Iron Maiden behind her. Yeah, I, I don't know um, what that character's name is, but she she actually looks pretty good. She looks. I wonder if possibly she's a swipe from. Isn't there a cover that has this same character and essentially that same pose? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. That's not too bad. But yeah, most of the art is really. Wonky at best, and, and it's very inconsistent. It's kind of all over the place. See, I disagree. I think it's pretty consistently bad. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of shots that rise above it. That's the only inconsistency is that there's some decent shots. Now, but most, I think most of it's pretty bad. I know it's, uh, you know, what, what should be good for the goose is good for the gander, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's terribly Blackbird. sexist to me. That's, but that's Blackbird. Blackbird? Okay. Yes. I just, they're, they're on page... Eight, they reference her name. Her and Iron Maiden are like a team. So she's uh, Iron Maiden's going Blackbird. Someone's down there with with Snapdragon. Okay. So that's who that is. 
I know it's not fair, but I really liked that ass shot of Diamondback on the one page, but then on page 28, I never, ever needed to see Captain America's taint, like, ever. So, yeah, I don't know what the hell that's all about, but please don't ever show me that angle again. (laughs) I think that's an attempt to recreate a Kirby action scene from a different angle. Yeah, but Kirby never showed me that. No, he didn't. (laughs) No, he didn't. Kirby did it in a much better way. Uh, but I think because that that's a maneuver I've seen him do in Kirby books. That's true. Yeah. Is that an aggressive maneuver? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not in a modam kind of way. So we have Podam, Paul, Paul organism designed for aggressive maneuvers. Podam. That's very funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally working a floor buffer in that very next panel though which one page 28 the, the next oh. to last panel he's like he's buffing the buffing the barracks <laughs> yep been there done that <laughs> that's boy that, that didn't sound good that's not a euphemism by the way no no no, no, no it's, really it's, just, it's funny because i know you know as you know we're the we're the vets here yeah i, I agree with you been there done that shit yep that's right buff many a floor uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about this issue. Because, see, I, I like Mark Grunewald a, a lot. I, I had great respect for him. I miss him greatly. He was, yeah, I think he was a very, very talented comics writer that understood the medium he was working in much the same way as, uh, say, like Roger Stern, for example. I, I think he was one of the greats of the 80s. I really do. But I have long heard that... As strong as his run is, it does kind of peter out. It just, you know, it gets progressively, I don't want to say worse. It's just, you know, the the quality kind of tapers off at the end, which is, of course, why they uh, eventually brought in, um, was it Wade and uh, I'm totally blanking on the other, on the artist name. But anyway, you know, they they brought in other teams later on and everything. This, This hits that period. Was it Garney? Yeah, that's it. And you know, this hits that period of, of cap for me that's a complete blind spot to me because this is way past the point that I've read um, in cap. And I wouldn't come back to cap again until there was that storyline where he was dying and he had the cap armor and all that. The art was terrible. Yeah, but was the that story the, wasn't bad. Up was that the lead up to issue four hundred or three fifty? Something like no, I, I think it's for no, because this it's way past this, and this is what four thirteen. Oh, maybe it's four fifty. Yeah, so it it's up there. It's up there quite a ways past this, and then I think it's just past that cap armor story where they brought in um, Wade and Garney. That kind of I mean they they did some great work with the character at that point. So I'm not trying to denigrate. Um, um, Grunewald's work by any stretch because I, you know, like I say, I have great respect for him, but this does seem to lend into what I've always heard about the end of his run, which is that it's just not that great. The funny thing is, I don't know how much of his run is left um, from here. There might there might actually be a good bit of it left. I, I really don't know. Like I say, I, I have most of these issues. I've just, you know, they're sitting in a box and I just haven't made time to to get to them. But just based solely off this, I, I, you know, I'm not crazy about it. Hmm. All right. Well, you want to, we'll, we'll give our reviews. You want me to go? Go. Sure. Um, looking at the cover, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all right. To use, <laughs> a, to use an 
an English term. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's not, uh, you know, wow, I got to have this. And it says modem means murder on the cover, but modem means maneuvers. There's no murder actually in modem's name. So, and modem's got some really needs to cease have some orthodontia done or something. Because man, <laughs> those teeth are rough. Yeah, don't want any. I don't want any aggressive maneuvers with those teeth. Let's just say. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. So the cover. I'm just gonna give the cover. Mm, looking at some of my past grades of other covers uh, comparing this I, I think i'm gonna have to give this a maybe a d plus c minus i mean you know i, I mean using paul's cr- criteria if i saw this on the stands would i pick it up yeah but would i buy it mm, just on the cover alone i don't i don't think so so the interior aside from a few shots that are really nice i don't the the art is just kind of uh you know just kind of plods along it's it's nothing really really special um apologies to to uh mr levens or excuse me levens not blevens that's a different artist yeah uh so i'm gonna give the interior art probably a a a c plus as well and the story i mean this is the middle of a story where they're in and this is actually like the third issue or at least the like the prior two issues was like Cap infiltrating the island, um, and he was crossbones. I mean, so I mean that's kind of interesting. Then you've got a couple subplots go- going on here. So I guess I'll, I'm going to give the writing probably a C plus B minus, um, and round this out with um, I guess a straight C is what I'll give it. What do you guys think? Who's next? Well, I did a, a quick little bit of, of research here because I, you know, just to satisfy my own curiosity. Now, I had always thought that when we get to the what I'm calling the cap armor story, I, I, what, what was the thing? I, I'm not sure if the overall story arc had an actual name. So, but the issue I was thinking of was 425. It had, a, I think, this was an embossed, like one of those foil embossed covers. Actually, the cover's not too bad. It's actually Dave Hoover, who I like quite a bit, so I don't know why I remember the art not being very good in, in this chapter. But this is where something was happening to Cap. The, the super soldier serum was killing him or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was slowly like degrading to a point where he had to adopt um, armor, or at least, or maybe that happened. I don't know. Now I'm looking at the covers, and I'm not seeing that here, so maybe I've got my stories confused, but... No, I'm I'm pretty sure it was at this point that he adapted the the armor. I'm just not seeing it reflected on any of the covers that he's actually wearing the armor. But anyway, the art got really bad and for some reason I was thinking that with 425 that they had a um creative shakeup that that they, you know, they got a new artist on it, but I thought they got a new writer. But anyway, I'm looking here, 425 is still Grunwald. And according to Mike's Amazing World, Grunwald is pretty consecutively the writer on Cap all the way until 443, which is the issue before the beginning of the Wade run. So Wade and Garney really did pick up from Grunwald and whoever he was working with at that time. And I, and I do believe they had, toward the end there, that they had a, uh, a you know a pretty uh, regular succession of different artists i I think they were having trouble keeping artists on the book or at least that's the impression i'm getting just looking at covers here because the art is wildly inconsistent from like from story arc to story arc but yeah cap uh you know we're at 413 covering this issue um you know so less than three years later is where we would shake it up and have the uh you know the epic 
uh, Wade and Garney run, which is, you know, I wouldn't mind covering that on, on a show at some time because that's some damn good stuff. I've got all those issues. I've, I I read them as they came out. So, um, that's where cap loses a shield going after after trying to rescue somebody on a sub. Yeah. That was, that was when they came back from heroes, uh, heroes, reborn heroes, return, whatever. Cause this, that that's the only problem with that run is that, you know, they came into the book and it was really, really good stuff. But I'm, if I'm remembering my history correctly, I don't think a lot of people really sat up and took notice of it too much at the time. Or if they did, it wasn't enough to save the book um, at that time, you know, from from Cap being included in in Heroes Reborn. So uh, I forget the exact issue that was the last. I think it was 454, I think might have been the last issue. So he he went off with the other heroes to Heroes Reborn. And then when they brought everybody back in Heroes Return, um, Wade picked back up, and I can't remember if Garney was still the artist when they came back or not. I don't remember, but anyway, Wade tried to pick up basically where he had left off. And the first few issues are really good, but it, it just wasn't the same. You know, you know what I mean? They'd kind of lost momentum. But the story you're talking about happened in the first or second issue of the of Return, where Cap there was something about a sub. You're right, and he was rescuing somebody, and he basically he dropped his shield. Right, it was it was decision. either it was either yeah. he had to save her or, save or the shield. shield. He couldn't yeah. do both. And there's a shot as the shield drifts down into the darkness. Yeah, and the way they solve it later is pretty like duh. You know, I mean, it's a very touching moment how it's resolved. I don't know if we should right. mention it here or, or let people go read it on their own because he does get the shield back. But I guess it's pretty obvious how. I mean, you know, you figure they could probably use technology to find that shield, but that's not how it's found. Right. An old friend, will say, retrieves yeah. the shield for him. I, I, you know, I really would not mind us covering that at some point, covering the uh, the Wade run, or at least, you know, at least the, the first part of it, you know, leading up to uh, to Heroes Are Born, because that, that is some really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't mind doing that either. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Cool. Okay, so I guess it's my turn to. Oh, I uh, did you actually give a grade? I, you know, yeah, I did. Oh, you I, didn't. You didn't. You went to, we went through all that, and you didn't grade it. I did not. I was just. Oh my god! Up. All right, so let me do. Uh, let me do quick grades. Let me flip back to the cover here. Cover. Hmm. I like how Cap looks. You know, the Cap looks all right. Modam looks ridiculous, but she looks all right. I don't have any touch point whatsoever with Suspiria or whatever her name is, so I don't know on her but the background just looks incredibly like coloring book or something it's just not good so uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go b minus it's not a very attractive cover at all i mean despite the fact that cap looks pretty good and everything it's just not yeah if i saw this on the stands i i don't know that i would necessarily pick it up um, it's it's no cap wolf <laughs> So yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's not it's not bad. It's just not. I don't know. The color scheme doesn't really work for me. For one thing, you've got that like shit brown background, and it just doesn't look. Yeah, good. what is that? It's at the sky over Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, this is the Caribbean. I've been in the Caribbean. That's not the way the sky looks. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where that's. Yeah, that's not looking. It's good. nuclear fallout. Something. So yeah, I'm gonna go B B minus on that one. Interior art is a nightmare to try to to try to grade because it's all over the place. 
And there's not a lot of it that I really dig. But again, you know, much like the Catwolf story that we did, I see great potential in the art. It's just the finished product's not good. It's got it's too. Did the we colors, have the same artist? On uh, the I think I think so. I th- yeah, I, think I know right. the penciler is. I don't know if Bolinati was the inker in that particular issue, but I know that uh, what's his name Bevins Levins. Mm-hmm. I know Levins was the penciler on that. I, I you know I hate to say this and and sound really mean about it, but I'm going to put the criticism on the art strictly on Levins because I know Bolinati's work and Bolinati I think is actually a really talented inker. I like his work quite a bit. I I think this is just a matter of he couldn't quite save you know, the art from, from what it was. So I, I think a lot of it falls on Levens. I think he just doesn't quite have the chops at this particular time in his career. But I mean, at the same rate, dude's trying. I mean, I can see where he's trying to be dynamic and, and all that. It's just, ugh, there's a lot of it that just doesn't come across, you know? So I'm going to give the arts, I think I'm going to say a straight up, uh, I'm going to say a straight-up C-minus on the art, because it's not horrible, but it really needs some polish. It needs some work. And the story... Eh. You know, uh, okay, you are right there, because I just looked back to the past couple issues of Cap. Bulanati uh-huh. was the was the inker on the cover of Cap, of, uh, what is it, issue 408? No, 408. 405. That's the one with Cap Wolf, uh-huh. the, one, the one that I covered. He did the inking on the cover, but he did not do the interiors. Rick Rick Levins did the pencils, but the inker was Steve Alexandrov. So it was a different inker on the interior of that episode we did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't month. remember that. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. Story. Ugh. Yeah, the the whole thing with the with the villains and, and Cap just kind of wading through them, and and then of course the the ridiculousness of him going, okay, while you guys are you know working up a storm cloud over here, I'm just gonna sneak away with the tarp over my. That's just flat friggin' ridiculous. So I'm gonna go. A, I think I'm gonna say a C minus on the story as well. So overall, C I guess it's yeah, it's 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 all right. It doesn't thrill me. All right, Paul, you're up. Uh, can I go back <laughs> down? <laughs> All right. Uh, cover. It doesn't... I don't know. It looks okay. Nothing special. The cap looks decent on it. Uh, Modam looks not quite as decent. Uh, what? What is she... Is she on... Is she just flying? Is that what it is? Or is she on a boat? Because her... her uh, her her chair looks very extended if she's not on top of something else. But. Oh, that's like a, it's like powered. That's like a jet blast or something. Right. Either that or that's a, excess gas. Something. And she's over a globe. Because what's that yeah, little island because, there? I don't, I don't know. Well, because and, and like you said, the brown looks. They're so high up, you could see the curvature of the earth. I, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> um, it it's not totally displeasing to the eye but when you start looking at it closer it really falls apart and and the brown color is really not very complimentary of the red white and blue so i'm going to give the cover a c minus it's a little below average the interior art i think a lot of the anatomy is terrible it's, it's just poorly put together then this this shots like the shot with uh falcon and what's his name flying tiger 
all of a sudden it's like a white background with nothing in it or similar with cat when cap is on that floating thing it, it just oh, yeah th- there's some parts about it you know the the, the like i said the the anatomy is bad some of the, the shot setups are bad the inking doesn't seem to be doing it any favors and the color palette doesn't seem to be doing it any favors either uh inconsistent i think is a kind way to put it because i think for the most part it's bad and there's just the occasional decent shot in there Uh, it's not it's not a total failure because there is the occasional decent shot but i'm going to give it a just a straight up d on the uh artwork i i don't like it at all i think the story is kind of convoluted and unbelievable at parts and just a mishmash and doesn't really do anything for me either and I, I thank you, Bill, for doing a brief synopsis of it, because <laughs> uh, you, you you really could have, in all good faith, gone on and on and just to try and describe what the hell they're doing here. Well, it's just a big punchy punchy run one run book. Dude. Yeah, but you're so, trying to make it's yeah. As long as it's just a punchy punchy run run, you can get away with that. But the second you try and make sense of it, yeah, that's when that's when it would have fallen apart, and your synopsis would have just been like it, it would have been as impossible to follow as reading the story. Um. I'm going to say a D for the story as well. I, I, I don't like what they did here. So overall, I'm going to give the book a D plus. Is this and the first of Modam? Uh, I did a little. I guess there's not a lot of appearances of Modam, which I could have swore this character was around more. But I, I don't know. I, I didn't go to a full, uh, you know, detail on it. You know, I, this wasn't the Modam podcast, so. It's just it's got me curious about her now because I'll be honest I don't. know. I think it's a number of appearances was I want to say like nine or ten but I'm not sure. This what what year was this ninety three ninety three yeah she goes back to according to uh, Wikipedia anyway she goes back to September of eighty eight with West Coast Avengers number thirty six where she's actually choking the life out of uh, Quasar that's actually a pretty cool cover as oh wait a minute. All right, so her first appearance is West Coast Avengers 36, but the picture they're showing is actually an issue of Quasar. Sorry, I stand corrected here. This is hmm. Quasar number nine. That's actually a really cool cover where she's uh, using her Dr. Octopus arms to choke the shit out of Quasar. That's actually pretty cool. So did she and... Perhaps Gene uh, Hendrix could elaborate on that for us. Did she and uh, Modoc ever, uh, you know... <laughs> how the hell would that even work anyway? <laughs> <laughs> you complete me. Somebody's, <laughs> somebody's ah. have to be upside down for that. I'm thinking they, they know some aggressive maneuvers. She Let me do the reverse cowgirl. <laughs> and with that, we leave the hot mouth island of Boca Caliente and go on to Paradise Island. Do we leave with that? So she was further mutated into a being nearly identical in appearance to Modoc called Sodam. Sodam so sexy. Or or, or Sodom. So yeah. Just, you know, Sodom. Take that as as you will. Um, so, so damn sexy, I don't want to read any more of her books. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll get to our second book, which is Wonder Woman number one thirty from February of nineteen ninety eight. Which had a cover price of one dollar and ninety-five cents. This is obviously the second volume of Wonder Woman. The cover, which is by Mr. John Byrne, shows Diana among the gods, looking at some sort of horizontal view screen that shows the Jay Garrick flash. We could call that a scrying pool. Okay. 
And he's finishing a run and looking at TV screens in a store window showing Wonder Woman. And the story is titled Unfamiliar Friends. It's written, penciled, inked, and lettered by John Byrne. Colored by Patricia Mulvihill. Edited by Paul Cooperberg and L.A. Williams. The story opens with Jay Garrick watching television with his wife, June. Wonder Woman is on the news, and he recognizes her from over 50 years earlier when she and a man told him how to escape from a trap that he was put into by the villain, the Fiddler. The man looked like Jay's father, but said that he wasn't. They discuss the fact that this Wonder Woman is actually Queen Hippolyta, Wonder Woman's mother. Is it Hippolyta or Hippolyta? How is it pronounced? Do you guys know? Hippolyta. Hippolyta. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and that Diana has become an Olympic goddess. Jay decides that he has to go to Gateway City to investigate this. And so, in Gateway City, Hippolyta, Cassie, Artemis, Donna Troy, and some dude named Mike Shore are talking about a guy whose arm Hippolyta lopped off. They debate, they debate her methods. Cassie announces that her mother is missing, and they debate some more. Artemis, Cassie, and Mike leave to pursue the problem. At a hotel, Flash and Joan are in town. Jay is going to look to meet up with Wonder Woman. He does meet her and Donna Troy, and they sit down and chat with a cup of coffee. Jay tells them about a meeting 50 years earlier, and they decide that there's a time travel component to this story. Wonder Woman and Jane take her plane to go back in time. But no, do, no sooner do they leave than Jay comes back in the plane, all by himself. The plane now looks somewhat more old-fashioned, and it turns out that Wonder Woman decided to stay in the 1940s for a while because, well, why not? We cut to Olympus where Diana and Hera are speaking in exposition speak. And my God, they go on and on to the point where I thought that Roy Thomas wrote this story. It seems that Hippolyta is serving penance by being Wonder Woman for actions that led to the death of Diana's mortal form. And Hera rules that Diana is not allowed to access Earth for the next 150 years. Diana then goes to see Zeus, who was injured, but when she goes to see him, instead there's a dude named Jove who's there. So we'll leave that storyline for now and return to Jay, Joan, and Donna. Jay was only gone a few seconds by Joan and Donna's time, but he was in the past for a week and starts the Jay flashback moment. So we join our time travelers as Wonder Woman's plane descends on Paradise Island where Hippolyta, or Polly as Jay now calls her, have a meeting with her sisters. And then the two of them get back into the plane which takes them to 1942. Once they're there, they find young Flash unconscious. They call to him and he thinks Jay is his dad. See what Byrne did there? Come on, is anyone anyone out there that did not see that coming? They tell young Jay how to escape and go back to the plane. But rather than return, Jay convinces Polly to go to the Smithsonian, where the younger Flash and Earth 2 Adam are signing autographs. The Flash sees them and approaches. Anyway, the meet gets violent quickly, with the modern-day heroes making quick work of the younger men. And then Hawkman Hawkman flies in, and he's kind of pissed off. To be continued. That's the end of the story. Now, I've heard a lot of stories about, or I've heard a lot of talk about how uh, the Golden Age Wonder Woman was really Wonder Woman's mom, and I never knew, because I never read this, I never knew how that came to pass. So this is the first experience I have reading this particular aspect of it, and I found it kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, there was definitely too much exposition speak in it. Yeah. I, I really didn't like that. But overall, I found it interesting. I found it interesting that Jay Garrick is legitimately presented as being like 70 years old. This is bef- uh, I think this is before they were all de-ageified, I guess you could say, right? Weren't they? And, and well, that's or the problem I, thinking, I have is when you start dealing Alan with Scott. real numbers, it makes it hard to suspend your disbelief. That's why I think you almost have to just avoid real numbers on this stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I know what you, you're talking about, about the de-aging thing, but I don't think, off the top of my head, I don't think that Jay was ever subject to any de-aging. I think he was subject to the whole bathed in the energy of Ian Carkle thing, which had slowed the metabolism of the, the Justice Society members, mm. um, which was, for many years, was used as the you know, the the comic book science BS explanation of how these, you know, octogenarians could be running around doing super heroics and everything. Um, but by this point, I, I think they were, they were straddling that line between trying to be a little more realistic in the fact that, no, he's pretty old by this point, but also not breaking you know, stretching that credibility to the breaking point by by playing with the real number of how old he really would have to be, you know, by this point. But, and the problem is you say, you could say to yourself, okay, he's 70 years old, but he's in great shape because he's the Flash, so he could still do stuff. But you know what? If you're DC Comics, you know you intend to to keep producing this comic book for years to come. So why would you make him 70 years old in, in 19, whatever, 93... When you know, you know, in 2013, he's got to be 90 years old. Right. You know what I mean? you you, you got to try and avoid that. Did they specifically throw that number out? Of well, seven? they specifically threw that it was 50 years ago that he, and they mentioned it several times. Right. So I'm just, you know, throwing out as, as a, you know, as a first thought that he's 20 years old when this is going well, on. Well, see, that's the thing, though, is that, you know. What is he, three? I, I've tried to. <laughs> tried to do that before you know I, I remember doing that a lot in the 80s and 90s with these guys trying to figure out okay what what age would they really be and i think by about this point and, and i think this might go to your your point of what you're saying paul i think by this point you do have to start letting go of that because not all of these guys were college kids you know some of these classic jsa members it was quite obvious in their origin story that they were older than in their 20s, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had some of them that were bored playboys or whatever, you know. So, I mean, they weren't all, you know, 19 to, to 25 years old. Some of them had been around a bit. So, yeah, I, I mean, when you start looking at it that way, that timeline doesn't, you know, it, it just gets wonkier and wonkier the the further you get away from World War II. And by this point, yeah, you know, you're looking at Jay Garrick being, well, let's see, this was 19, what, what year was this? 98? So this yes, is 1998. And this, you know, the year they're going back to is 1942. So that's what? That's 50, 56 six, years. 56 years. And if you're saying he's 20 there, that makes him even 76. If, and yeah, even if he's 20 years old, which I'm pretty sure. Let's, you know what? Let's let's even give him. He's, he's Peter Parker and he's 15. Right. He's still an old man now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. And that's that's why you got to avoid these markers, these age yeah. markers. 
And I know, you know, it, it's almost impossible with the Justice Society because their claim to fame is the World War II thing. Right. But you can, you know, you can fudge it a little. You don't have right. to refer back to it quite so cleanly. And, right. and I don't know, it, it just, to me, it, it makes it harder to to suspend my disbelief. I guess maybe, maybe I'm being too picky, but, it, you know, I, I don't want them to, to give me markers like that. This whole storyline, particularly this issue, you know what? I'll even go so far as to say Burns' run on Wonder Woman is one of those things that I look back fondly on in concept. I think Burns' concepts and his ideas and the things he was trying to do are large, they're exciting, and they're very interesting. It's the actual execution that's a little wanting in this. But he definitely had some some great ideas because to my mind, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I was well, a and- faithful Wonder Woman reader from issue one until Perez left. And then after that, I was very, very spotty. But to me, of this second volume of Wonder Woman, there's two great runs. There's Perez's, which is, I mean, I'd, I'd hold that right up there with some of the best comics that have ever come out, you know, like like Burns' run on Superman, for example. I mean, Perez's Wonder Woman was just fantastic comics. This is nowhere near as good as that, but this is the other great, volume two run is burns run on wonder woman unfortunately he i think he lived constantly in the shadow of perez's run and tried to have big concepts and do big things and some things worked and some things didn't this is one of the ones i thought did really work i liked this idea because you know while i am a huge crisis on infinite earths fan there's no denying that crisis on infinite earths hosed some characters it really created some major problems continuity wise for certain characters probably the biggest one of all well arguably because i mean the the legion was pretty hosed after crisis too but you know one of the the biggest ones of all was donna troy because essentially dc spent the rest of the post-crisis time that they had trying to figure out who the hell was donna troy if wonder woman never existed And I liked that that's not really touched upon in this issue, but that does spin out of this because first step to establishing Donna Troy and giving her some context was replacing the Golden Age Wonder Woman. If the if the Earth Two Wonder Woman never existed, then then what was the placeholder for that character? And DC struggled with that with all of the the classic Earth 2 doppelgangers, you know, the Earth 2 Superman, the Earth 2 Batman, all of those guys, and they tried filling in different characters here or there, but I thought in Wonder Woman's case, this was a brilliant way to address it, that her mother had been the the World War II, you know, the Golden Age Wonder Woman. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's great. And once they fill in that, then further down the line, then they would start to address okay, now who is Donna Troy in this new context? But, so could, but, I, did, I liked... but did they need to keep saying 50 years ago? No. That's the no. only. That's my yeah. only thing. They keep giving that, that number. Just avoid the number. Right. But uh, this, this run, I mean, it, it did have some good stuff going for it. It's, but it does suffer a bit from, from some of the elements of this era of John Byrne. It's, it's a little wordy. Um, it it just it, it feels the need to over explain things it has a, a lot of exposition that can be toned down 
And uh, God, I, I, I hate to say it, but this is not Burns' best as far as the artwork. Something funny is going on here, and I suspect a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's doing everything. Mm-hmm. If he exactly. was simply penciling and writing and leaving inking chores to someone else, leaving color you know, and everything else to someone else, I think that this would improve dramatically. Because this is that funny period of burn artwork where, to me, it has a very unfinished quality to it. And it has to do with the inking. The inking, um, it almost looks, some panels and some pages almost look to me like they're taken straight from the pencils. Like it's not properly inked. Yeah, and, and I think this has to do with the fact that Byrne has always complained about his inkers that he felt like inked him too heavily. But in looking at this, where it's inked so damn light, it makes me think that maybe the, the what we all think of as the classic John Byrne, you know, the stuff that, that most of us like best of his is best when it's heavily inked. I, I you know, it, it's just kind of weird that way. Because well, I mean, looks too in loose. fairness, Burn has Burn ever looked better than he does when he's inked by Terry Austin? No, I, I, I definitely no. think Austin was was his best. Although I and Austin always, has uh, a kind of heavy hand. It's not like he's yeah, a light-handed inker. He does, and you know the the to me the two best inkers he ever had, uh, you know, just off the top of my head was of course Austin, and uh, I was always very fond of uh, of Carl Kessel inking uh, burn as well i think uh, mm-hmm. kessel also was able to really bring out which didn't uh, he ink him on fantastic four and wonder woman here kessel? i know i've seen him doing something on dc with burned kessel did it on superman the beginning runs of superman that's right okay yeah but i don't know if he ever did any of his wonder woman i don't remember off the, i want to say burned it all of wonder woman by well no i take that back i think he did i don't know i'm gonna look at cover scans yeah real see quick. like like if you look at at the first spl- splash, that looks pretty good. But that but the next page, where you see uh, Jay Garrick, his face just doesn't look. It looks muddled. It looks. Which which page are you talking? Uh, page two. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an attempt by him to kind of like portray age. I guess, but yeah. You know. But yeah, I, I agree with you, and I agree with what Scott was saying that that uh, it's almost like he didn't want to. He wanted the pencils to come through. I remember. When they did the issue of Captain America retelling his origin story that Byrne did with, I guess, with Stern. Uh, and I remember them making a big deal that it was produced directly from Byrne's pencils at the time. And I'm sure that right. was something that Byrne pushed for. Because I do think he's he's a little bit more enamored with his, his pencil work. But I've always felt that Byrne inking Byrne was lesser Byrne, which I think he would totally disagree with. Right. But... This, this to me looks, this is very similar to what he did on uh, the X-Men Hidden Years, right. Spider-Man Chapter Two, Chapter 1. Lab Rats, all that, all that stuff, yeah. yeah and you're and right. it's not that it's bad, it's just I think it could be better. Yep, I completely agree with you. I mean, some of shots, the shots, uh, what, what page is it? Uh, uh, the one, the one of, of Diana standing on the pedestal, and mm-hmm. it's almost like an Escher drawing. Yeah. I think that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how I'm trying to look at everything. There's one thing that's bad with with reading these books with a critical eye to review them, is you start to notice things that you wouldn't notice otherwise, and it takes away some of the enjoy- enjoyment sometimes. It's like, you know, 
It's it's like Mike Bailey says. Sometimes you don't want to know how the sausage is made. Right. Uh, there's there's the page. Uh, what is it? I'm, again, I try to notice everything. There's the page where uh, they're they're all talking, and it's there is page four, the bottom bottom of page four, the right panel. Uh, I guess it's Cassie speaking, and Burn inked Burn Burn lettered the book himself. Right. And and just to to describe this, because uh, you know if somebody doesn't have the book in front of them, the the word balloon is long and all the way on the side, and it says then the solution and it's so hyphen lu hyphen tion is simple sim hyphen ple michael mi hyphen chel i mean that's really sloppy lettering yeah when you have to hyphenate three words and one one of the words you have to hyphenate twice in the same word there's you know the word bubbles have to be set up better than that i'm sorry yeah and and again, I'm trying to notice things. That's something that probably would escape would have escaped my view two years ago. But I'm trying to look more critically at things to see what's going on, and and that that's that's just bad. I don't know well, if that would if that bothers you guys, but when no, I, I noticed I, that, I, I was like, that's just that's amateurish as far as I'm concerned. Well, I I think this show will definitely. Uh, I I don't think we'll ever get to have a chance to get Mr. Byrne on this show now. Maybe the third degree burn guys will still have a chance. <laughs> I don't think we were ever going to have a chance to get him on, so I'm not really concerned. Uh, he does not do podcasts, unfortunately. He did one, one that I'm aware of. He was on with Chris Neesman on Around Comics, and that's it. What is he? Is he like Joe Piscopo in Johnny Dangerously? I went on a podcast once. Yeah, pretty once. Much. It's the only time I've ever heard that he that he did a podcast interview. Hmm. Interesting. But anyway. Uh, like I said, I think the artwork is nice, but I think it would just... If you gave somebody else the inking chores on this, I think it would have just been so much better. I like the fact some of the some of the color palettes on it have a little bit of that muted look, and it almost makes it look old. You know what the art in this book really reminds me of? And this is probably going to sound so strange, but you know what the art really reminds me of? It reminds me of watching Indiana Jones and The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because I want to love it, and something's just not the same. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. It's the same guy, but it's just a number of years have gone by, and somehow, as hard as he's trying, it just isn't quite hitting it the same way for me anymore as it did back then. And that's really the best way I can sum it up. There's really nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's, it's changed. It's gotten older. And I just don't like it as much. It's somehow it's it's just kind of going through the motions, but the heart's gone. And that really has that's been my summation of burn for most of his post Superman career. I've long said that my personal pet theory on John Byrne is that the heart of him went out when he had to leave Superman. And I understand every reason why he did. You know, and I don't fault him for it. He, he stuck to his guns, and I think that's very admirable. But at the same rate, I think for him personally, when, when he uh, basically abandoned that book to, to stick to his principles, I, I think it tore his heart out. And I don't think his comics work has ever truly recovered from that, with the exception of his recent Star Trek stuff. I think he's gotten some of his heart back with that stuff. But things like this and, and Namor and West Coast Avengers and so many of the other post-Superman pro- uh, projects that he worked on 
as good or bad as they may have been, they just never were the same again. He he just something was lost. And that's a that's just a goddamn shame because he's one of the gods, you know? He's one of the greats. And it, it kills me that that, that kind of knocked the wind out of his sails. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because this I is do. I, I don't know if I'm quite as harsh on it as you. Not, no, I don't and mean it's that not to sound harsh. harsh. I, what I what I really mean that to sound like is I, I sympathize with the guy. You know, I really do. And and I, I don't think I'm saying I, I hope I'm not saying anything that if he heard it would piss him off because I'm basing a lot of this on things he himself has said about his own post Superman career. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he would look at his, this art and, and say quite the same things that I'm saying. But, you know, as far as I, I'm sure he's proud of it and all that. But it, it's just it's not the same. You know what I mean? It, it's not that classic burn. It, it's got a lot of the same elements, but it, it just doesn't quite nail it. You know what I mean? And it's hard to kind of put a finger on why it doesn't. It just simply doesn't. And I think a lot of that has to do with the era it's set in as far as being post as Superman stuff. But also I think a ton of it has to do with the fact I actually did my homework. I went back and I looked at all the covers for this entire run, because I do have his entire Wonder Woman run, he's the sole guy on all this. So he did not have anybody else working with him, collaborating, you know, collaborating on any of this. And I'm sorry, as much as I love him, he's he's one of my top three guys. Um, Burn by Burn is not Burn's best stuff. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Burn by Burn is not his best stuff. I think I think you put him with a quality inker, it really makes the quality of burn shine more than what he you know i think he he likes the image in a more raw form mm-hmm. he doesn't like it as polished uh so that comes down to a matter of taste it doesn't really affect the quality of the penciling it's right. just the final product that's influenced over you know by it but you know it, it comes down to what you like better uh in the last book you 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 know you were ready to pluck your eyes out over seeing cap's taint what do you think on page <laughs> 17 uh which one is that? oh oh my god that's not even that's almost whoa oh yeah. 16 excuse me that's not even that's color not. corrected whoa whoa well well i guess that is that color. <laughs> that's that it's, color is way too close that's adam's camel toe whoa <laughs> uh, yeah uh, i, I didn't need to i see. think even jay is shocked by that <laughs> yeah because he's like oh my god <laughs> yeah that's that's bad that's it's not even anatomically correct not that I want it to be anatomically correct. He's a Ken doll. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, wait, I'm you said he remember. had a camel toe. What is he, Caitlyn Jenner? That's what I'm saying. Uh, He's not anatomically correct. I'm trying to remember what the whole thing with Jove was all about. And for the life of me, I don't remember where that goes. Well, Jove is the head of the uh, Roman pantheon. So uh, Yeah. Uh, I, just yeah I, I don't fully Jove. remember what was happening either. Yeah, I, I don't I don't Jove, remember. Jove, Jupiter, same, same, same guy, different name. Right, yeah. I just I, I don't remember where the where that goes. Why why he's sitting in for Zeus or what the whole story was with that. Yeah. I always did like when they would explore that stuff. Though is this is this pre or post? Um, oh God, what was that story where that energy wave had swept through the universe and explained where everybody got their power? What was oh Genesis Star Trek is, oh, Star Trek Generations Genesis <laughs> Genesis. Utara sector forbidden. <laughs> this is uh, this is post Genesis, because Byrne did do a lot of work 
um, with the gods, you know, because I remember him tying or at least trying to tie in um, Dark Side and the new gods into the classic gods and, and all of that. And I remember him at the time catching a lot of criticism for that, but I kind of liked what he was trying to do, which, I, you know, it, it's funny, I keep saying that, but that to me is kind of the hallmark of his Wonder Woman run is that I liked what he was trying to do, but a lot of it didn't totally work or, or completely successfully. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't completely successful in everything he was trying to do, but I liked a lot of what he was going for at the same rate. But there are some, you know, some really good hallmarks in his run. I've always uh, loved the issue where... Um, where Diana was dying, which was just a few issues before. That was back in 125, um, where the Justice League kind of comes one by one to say their goodbyes to her. I love that. That That's actually powerful stuff. That's a good, you know, that one's classic burn in a lot of ways. So, I don't know. It's it's a decent run. And I really, I'm trying to remember where the hell the story goes from here. And it's just been too long since I've read it last. But it, it's some interesting stuff. It gets a little wonky with what's her name, the what was it, Dark Angel or whatever. And I had a lot of trouble making heads or tails of Burns um, retconning of the origin of of Donna Troy. It wasn't quite as succinct as the other Who Is Donna Troy stories that had been done. Because by the time Burn got to it, it was like that was the third go around with that, you know, mm-hmm. of trying to cipher out, okay, who is this person? And I don't think his was quite as succinct as the other ones. But yeah, I mean, I think overall we're, we're being more critical of this than it probably deserves. Because I think overall it is a good story. And I think oh, yeah. it, it, it sets up a good premise, as you mentioned, with with the whole aspect of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman being her own mother. Uh, right. Which, which Wonder Woman is the character you don't have to do that for, actually, because she can be ageless. But just the same, I, I think it's a pretty good storyline. And I, I happen to be a sucker for uh, the Jay Garrick Flash. I've, I've always enjoyed his character. I've always been a little bit fuzzy on, did she does she give up her, her immortality to come to man's world? Or, or is she still an immortal? I've never been quite clear on that. I'm not certain on that either. Bill? I'm not clear on that either. I don't think she sacrifices for immortality. I can't. I honestly can't remember. It seems to me that I've I've read read or seen versions of that where where that was the case. But my experience with those storylines is they happen and then they resolve and you know it's like they give right. up their immortality, they get it back. I don't know specifically at this point. Maybe she has, but I'm sure at some point it just all got worked out, or they just did another crisis and said, okay, it's a different Wonder Woman, right? So it doesn't really, you know, nothing like that sticks for what it's worth. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, who's Should great? we rate this? Or? Yeah. It's your so, book. You rate it. Okay. Uh, cover's a little wonky. It's a little busy. But I like the artwork in it. I, I like the way he draws. I, I Again, I don't like that they've aged the flesh as much as they have. I want him to be a more mature... Hero, but I don't necessarily want him in his seventies. But I do like the way Byrne draws him as an older man. I, th- I think you know that the thin, lithe body is is kind of cool. the f- The fact that he's got the two scenes melded there with her looking into whatever, you know, uh, her her LCD pool, uh, <laughs> and and then you know at the same time you have the Flash seeing the you know the her, her mom as Wonder Woman on the TV screens. Uh, it, it's just kind of a, a cool merging of the of the the 
different images all together. Uh, and yet it is a little busy. So it's not great, but I think it's pretty good and, and it's intriguing to me. So I'm going to say a solid B. Not quite a B plus, but a, but a solid B for me. Story-wise, I like what he did. I like the, uh, you know, it's too much exposition as far as what, the way it's written. But the overall story and where it goes, I enjoy. Uh, the, the whole thing with going back in time, confronting the, uh, you know, the, his, his younger self and the Adam, and then coming in at the end with Hawkman. It almost seems like a standard burn type story. You know, I think we did one recently where, where it ended with Batman coming in like that on somebody. Uh but they're fun. I think. What did we do? We did a uh, demon story where I think that's what happened. By yeah, Burn. yeah. He and, he came in at the end end of the story. Yeah, the very last panel. And the same thing he does here with Hawkman. He but did a run in on like like he hmm? was a wrestler. You know, he he did a run in on on the ring. Came right. and smashed a chair over somebody's head and left. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, kind of kind of a but it's it's kind of a cool cliffhanger ending to it. I, I, so I like the story. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the story a, a B as well. The interior art I think is solid burn art. But as we said, I think it would be greatly improved by a different inker taking it and just kind of just adding to it a little bit and not just letting it sit and look basically like pencils with color on them. So the interior art, I'm going to give a B minus just because I think it would be better, so much better if it was inked a little bit more. So overall, I'm going to give the book a B. Okay. Um, you know, something I just didn't notice until now and I feel kind of stupid insert dr bill joke here um <laughs> that the that the lightning bolt on jay garrick's shirt is the lightning bolt on captain marvel shazam but turned upside down hmm. did you guys notice have you ever taken note of that it's like a frown turned upside down yeah <laughs> i mean am am i just i mean honestly did you guys ever, you, know, you know what the way i always viewed it is that we don't see the bottom of the lightning bolt because it's tucked into his pants. But you do. <laughs> you do. Because I just thought the same thing. But if you go to page five where he changes into the flash, you do see the bottom of the lightning bolt. Because I thought the same thing. Well, maybe it's just tucked into his, his pants, his lightning yeah, bolt. Yeah, it is kind of. The, you know, I, I never thought of it. So, you know, I'll, I'll go with you on that. Uh, I think it's a little, just a little smaller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or a little oh, larger. Yeah. I'm not saying it's exactly, but it's just, it's, a, it's just flipped upside down. And it's like, well, wow, that's I never noticed that. Interesting. I think, I think it's pure coincidence, though. Oh, yeah, I don't think they were both hidden... two different companies when they were created. Yeah, there's no hidden meeting. It's just like, huh, I just never never caught that. But, yeah. Just, uh, it's, Bill, it's, it's Dr. Bill's interesting factoid moment. <laughs> is is this a new, a new segment? Possibly. Things I never saw before. I may have to come up with some theme music for that. <laughs> okay. Maybe the Love Boat theme. No? No. Anyway. Maybe. Eh, eh. Uh, so Deja Vu, or Deja Vu, um, play on words here. Yeah, the cover, uh, you know, I li- I'd like to have a LCD, LED scrying pool in my house. Of course, then if I put it up on the wall, the water would fall out. So that would be that would be a bit of a problem. Unless I had magic to keep the water in there. But um, overall, the cover, you know, I guess we I guess we're going to call this the curse of the three B's burn on burn. Not best. (laughs) And um, I'll give it a B for the cover. Now, my three favorite panels or, or images in this are the opening page with her leaping over the guards or whatever. Um, the spot in 
Paradise Island, or no, that's actually Olympus to where she's on the pedestal, the one that you mentioned before, and the final splash of Hawkman coming in. Those three kind of bring, but um, and then the last one with Haw- Hawkman, it's it's reminiscent of older Burn. It just seems like maybe because it's a splash, he took a little bit more time, or whatever. So, but uh, the interior art, I'm going to give that a B plus, and the story. You know, this is again burn on a long, long haul for a storyline. You know, we've got snippets dropped. You know, and we didn't even talk about the the after story that's in here, to where I guess they're trying to track down Jason Blood or something, and there's a pillow with a face on it that talks to them. Uh, you know, no, we won't continue that line of questioning. <laughs> um, so uh, story, uh, you know, I'm just losing my track. I'm I'm going to give the storyline a B plus as well. So overall. It's a B book for me. Scooped. All right. Um, not crazy about the cover. I, I you know, it, it kills me because it's burned to, to be critical, but it's I just don't like it. It's it's got weird angles. It's I really don't like the the color choice and that light inking, especially on the the figure of the Flash in the scrying pool. I don't know what they're going for there, what Burns going for there, but it has a, a very washed out look to it. Maybe it's supposed to, but it just looks very weird that way. Maybe it's supposed to be watery or filmy or something, but it just doesn't quite work for me. It just, again, it just looks very washed out and I really don't like it. I don't like, like Paul said, I don't like the the Flash looking you know, so ancient in this. I like him being aged. I like being able to tell a difference between old Flash and young Flash and and the fact that, you know, years have gone by and he's obviously aged, but this is a little ridiculous. I mean, he does very much look like a 90-year-old man in in a superhero outfit, and that's just not fun to look at. Um, I I don't care for the image of of Diana and, and the two goddesses there. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it's busy and it just doesn't quite work for me. Um... I'm tempted to give it a, a, a C minus. However, um, the fact that Diana's not wearing anything under that toga, I'll, I'll bump it up to a uh, I'll bump it up to a middle of the road C on that. Um, the interior art I like a lot, but uh, yeah, he really needed to be inked by somebody else here, somebody that would uh, that would really do better work on his inking. I just I don't care for Burn inking himself. He what what he's going for and what I think looks best for him are two completely different things. So I really wish that someone else had uh, had inked this. I wish somebody else had colored it because that's the weird thing about Burn coloring this is that Burn's colorblind, so he should not be coloring no, his own. No, Burn didn't material. do the color. What's that? Patricia he, Mulvihill yeah. did the color. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I take that back then. But yeah, all right. Then somebody else besides her should have done the coloring then too because I really don't like. Because <laughs> she's colorblind too. She colorblind too. <laughs> and um yeah the the lettering you know thing now that you've pointed that out uh, that that doesn't really work for me as either um it's it's way dialogue heavy but that goes more toward the story than it does the art but of course being so dialogue heavy affects greatly the art in this um the art i'm gonna go b minus it's burn. It's really nice in places, but it's not what I know he's capable of. Burn to me should always be an A plus, and this sadly is is just far from A plus burn. It's just not burn at the top of his game, as much as it kills me to say that. The story, however, 
I dig. I really dig. Yes, it's really damn wordy, but I like what he was going for here. And, uh, you know, ignoring what came before in Burns Run, ignoring what comes after, just taking this one issue as a standalone. I can remember reading this one right off the stands when it was brand new and really being excited by this this idea and this concept that, oh my God, they're they're going to finally fix some of that post-crisis wonkiness with Wonder Woman, and I like where this is going. You know, I was really excited about this, that they were taking Queen Hippolyta and plugging her into that slot of the Golden Age Wonder Woman to try to fix some of the continuity things, and I, I think that's really exciting. And as much as I'm meh on Hawkman, that's a pretty damn cool cliffhanger ending to the end of this because... You know, Hawkman shows up and he's looking large and in charge with his mace and it just like somebody's about to get an ass whooping. And I like that. That's my kind of a a cliffhanger ending. I really like that. Plus, if I'm remembering things properly, I think this was about the time that they were starting to ramp up uh, Hawkman to be more of a badass, too. So, yeah, I I mean, I really enjoyed the story. Um, It just it needed a heavier editing hand than I think it got as far as just pure dialogue and, and exposition and everything. But I do like where this, uh, where this went and the, the story it told for this one issue. So I think I'd give it a, I think I'd give it an a minus in the story. It, it just, it, it needs a little polish, but I enjoyed it. So let's see, what did I say? Uh, a minus, uh, B minus and a C minus. I guess that averages out to about a B something like that it averages out to whatever you decided averages out to. <laughs> i'd say altogether i'd say i'd say a b needs some work but still overall pretty pretty good issue yeah yeah i agree i think that's pretty much where i'd put it yeah all right we were going to do a third book but time is growing growing short so once again our indie gets sacrificed to the altar of time oh uh, no, sacrifice okay. to the comic gods I, I we, we will it, I almost feel like the end of a James Bond movie. Back to the Bins will be back in. <laughs> but just just to throw a little teaser out, because I guess the next time we record, Scott, you you'll, you can do the book you were going to do tonight, which was? Um, let's just say I brought a book, which I appreciate you pointing out. I don't know whether it will necessarily be the same book that I bring, oh. but I did have a book prepared. So I just want to point that out. Okay. Or rather, I'm glad that you pointed it out. You don't want to, you don't want to become bookless you know, uh, by reputation. That's, exactly. that's like one of the oh, worst reputations a, you could have. That's a, that's a, I'm well, right here. I'm in the <laughs> conversation. Jeez. Uh, just just by way of comic news, before we sign off, did you see they're killing off Namor now? What? In the pages of Squadron Sinister or Supreme, whichever one they're doing a book of. Now, is this is this after the reboot? Does it matter? I guess it's after the reboot. Eh, whatever. I don't care. It's. I guess the theory is it's another business-related move because Fox owns Namor. Oh, Jesus! I'm so out of touch with current goings-on that yeah, I don't even know. The Marvel universe is as you knew it is gone, Uh, pretty much because they smashed the. I, the way I understand it is the Ultimate and the Marvel will be smashed together after Secret Wars. Does that sound about right, Paul? Yeah, it does. And I'm, I'm trying to give some of the all-new, all-different books a, a little bit of a shot just to see. So far, I've read the first two issues of Spider-Man, and I have to say I didn't care for them. I don't know if that's giving it enough of a chance, but I really didn't care for them. 
Now there's two Spider-Men. Yeah, you have the, the Miles uh, Morales. basically the ultimate Miles Morales Spider-Man, and you have Peter Parker, who's now Tony Stark. Yeah, who's Tony Stark light. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you got to figure it's, you know, if, if they're true to uh, the past at all, they're just building him up so that they can tear him down, you know, give him further to fall. Right. But the building up of him, I'm not enjoying. Uh, what else? I read the first issue of uh, All New, All Different Avengers and didn't care for that either. Yeah, I haven't got, I haven't picked that up. So, so far I'm over for 2 on new books that I've read. Hmm. And we don't know what's going on in DC. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't remember the list. I, I mean, I, I really haven't been reading a lot of new books, period. So I'm, I'm not your go-to guy for current information. But, I'll, you know, I, I, I try every once in a while when they throw a new jumping-on point to say, all right, let me let me see if I like this. And, you know, Oh, I would just like while. to say one thing to the listeners, because I, I remember reading a, uh, a thread that Andy had posted. Uh, oh, hi, Andy, with with Hey Kids, where he was t- talking about, and I think it was discussion of Secret Wars number seven and how some of the people in there, well, I have to buy it because I'm a completist. No, you don't. No, you don't. If something is shit, stop buying it. If you yep. don't like it, stop buying it. That's all I want to say. I know Scott agrees with you because he's made that very clear on, on his uh, filmmaking or his film uh, views. Absolutely. Don't, don't give them your money. Don't think if you because don't like well, what they're doing. I've already bought the other six. It. You know, I've already bought the other six issues. I have to. Ha- no, you don't. You know, no. Because no. I've got some stuff. Because I've been going through my collection, and I was like, oh, why did I stop here? Oh yeah, I remember now. Because this sucked. You know, yep. and it was it was hard to actually stop. It it is difficult. I'm not saying to it's break easy. Yeah. The habit of being a completist. It is difficult. But at the prices they charge for comics, it should be much easier than it used to be. Yeah. Wait. I mean, if you really, really have to have it, wait. Just wait. Yeah. It'll come buy, down. Buy it somewhere for a buck or less. Mm-hmm. There'll be a sale somewhere. It'll be there. It's not going anywhere. Get Sign up with the digital stuff. It'll be on there in six months, usually. I think that's about what they run, isn't it? Yeah, that's that seems to be the... the uh, you know, I mean, if you absolutely have to read it, there you go. Or I know by me, they get the trades in the library. I can read them there. That too, yeah. I mean, that's... When I first cut cold turkey years ago, um, I was, you know, I would just go to, I discovered the library and I could actually order graphic novels from other libraries in the chain and I could read comics for free. Mm -hmm. Turkey. Turkey in the library. What are you talking about? The Falcon? (laughs) Take it out. Now I I picture Kramer when he was a turkey. (laughs) Like when he was, when he was shaving in butter. Yeah, and then he well, yeah, well, he was going out sunbathing in butter, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. He got all like like brown looking. Put a fork in me, Jerry. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. 
Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, Modoc sleeping. Where's Modam? Oh, Modam. Oh, you're so damn sexy. <laughs>